I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is the lovely Mel Evans of the An Hour With Your Ex podcast uh, and a bunch of other cool shit here in Chicago. Uh, But that was essentially how I was first introduced to her. Uh, And this is really, ostensibly, the first time we've ever interacted socially in person, which is cool. Um... And uh, doesn't happen too often on the podcast, but I think it occurred to great results here. Uh, we had a total blast, if I may say so, and I think Mel would agree with me. Uh, she talked about her love of true crime, and specifically female-centric true crime, uh, which is um, less crazy than it sounds, I guess, Uh Because we covered a lot of topics. Uh, We covered some um, sincere uh, murder mystery type stories. Um, She mentions a book called The Cases That Haunt Us that includes things like Lizzie Borden and uh, a couple of other um, big uh, crimes that females committed that we haven't totally figured out. Uh, and then we also talk about um, things that are maybe uh, taken a little less seriously, like Snapped. We talked about a couple episodes of Snapped. And uh, she lamented that we didn't talk more about Law & Order. But, you know, I think we covered some good ground. And I know for a fact that she could have gotten even uh, even deeper on a lot of this stuff than we even discussed. We, we went off on a number of tangents, but I think it was a total blast. Uh, uh, I introduced the fact that I had listened to an interview with an author of this book called The Good Nurse, um, but I had not read it yet. I'm here to update everyone. I got it from the library. I've read about ten pages. So, you know, I'm trying. Uh, I, I don't think I read enough, and I want to read more. Um, so step one... You know, picking up a book. Uh, step two, actually reading it. And, and I, I tell myself that I want to read more, but if I don't actually do it, then how how much am I actually wanting that thing? You know? Let's all ask ourselves that question today. Uh, if I want to do something and I am not doing it, then do I actually want to do it? I don't know. It's been it's been something that's been on my mind recently. I think I even talked about it on the podcast a few episodes ago. I'm really just regurgitating shit I've already talked about most of the time. Speaking of shit I've already talked about, uh, plugs. Tuesday nights at the Annoyance Theater at 9.30 in the small theater. Come check out Sight Unseen, uh, hosting a show that we like to call Global Warming is a Myth. Uh, that group is myself. Sarah Cowdery, Megan Strickland, Jimmy Pennington, Rosie Moan, Steve Nelson, and Mark Logsdon. And that is a fun bunch, let me tell you. 
it's been literally years since I've consistently played with a new team, and wow, has it been a lot of fun. Um, so come check that out um, through mid-November, maybe past that, but definitely mid-November, um, Tuesday nights, 9.30, The Annoyance. Also at The Annoyance Theater on Saturday nights at 10.30, Splatter Theater. Um it, that is a, 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 a slasher movie, spoofy type stage production uh, that they've been doing at the Annoyance for. This is the 27th year. That's older than I am. That's insane. I mean, not insane, literally, uh, but that's that's pretty um, cool, at least. Uh, so, come check that out. A lot of white walls and white costumes that by the end of the show are covered in fake blood and the fake blood is chocolate so it smells good speaking of chocolate man mel and i do some great dove chocolate bits uh in this episode and since then we've been tossing them around a bit on twitter uh so if you like those check out the show she does with her uh future husband Mark Coulomb, and when I say future husband, usually it's like, oh, they're probably gonna, you know, tie the knot eventually. No, this Saturday, Mel and Mark are getting married, and that is so exciting. They're both great, great people. I love listening to An Hour with Your Ex. I recently listened to an episode where they talked about uh, uh, Homeland um, and how much (laughs) neither of them really liked it at all. Uh, which I, I can't totally argue with, and they had a lot of good points. I don't love the show. I watched through the second season and did not care to watch the third. Um, I, I, it's apparently starting back, um, now, um, and I want to watch the current season because, uh, Emily Walker from here in Chicago is in a story arc on it, and that's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's Jeff Murdoch, past guest of MBSing. All three of those people on that episode of an hour with your ex have now been on mbsing that's cool uh so you know go listen to that uh if you're interested i think jeff murdoch is quite possibly the funniest person i know and mel and mark not too shabby themselves that's no slight to mel and mark i know mark has agreed with me that that jeff is is one of the funniest people around um and you'll you will soon hear how funny mel evans is um and so, yeah, uh, I, for instance, a few moments into the show, uh, An Hour With Your Ex, um, Jeff Murdoch was talking about the fact that uh, Mark and Mel had just made him dinner. And in order to transition into talking about the show itself, he said, uh, <laughs> I hope nothing that I ate makes my stomach turn. Uh, in a nod to double agents and sleeper agents and such. Um, a la Homeland. I laughed so much, and Mel laughed uh, live during the recording so much. And it was like we were all sharing a laugh together, you know? Uh, Oh, boy. Well, you know, you get it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Please enjoy this episode with my wonderful, glorious, new friend guest, Mel Evans. Uh, I'd been going back through old episodes of... Mm -hmm. An hour with your ex, because like after Mark or right before Mark was on the show, I think I listened to a couple of hour with your ex, even, but I listened to a bunch of 
poor choices. Oh, sure. Um, and then uh, after, I just, like, went through the whole catalog yeah, and down. just, like, chose all the ones that I'd already seen or, like, ones that that's I was, like... That's what everyone does. Yeah. And that's why we're kind of like, eh, we know we're not going to get this nice even number of hits right because right everybody's picking through and saying, i totally listen to the ones i've already seen or every once in a while i'll go to one that's like oh i'm gonna watch that eventually yeah. like uh i think orphan black was one oh, that i was so like good. i want to see this i'll go ahead and like add that to the list so i've recently been going I feel back like through. we did so many spoilers though. oh really I see i don't that. listen i i haven't listened to any that i haven't seen oh okay. i'm just saying like they're they're in my We're in my queue like look like we're not gonna spoiler alert you <laughs> yeah. and say something's a spoiler. We're just gonna talk about it. Yeah, so, I totally. Yeah, I totally. and I uh, I don't know how. I don't like listening to anything that has to do with like film or TV if I haven't seen it. Yeah. Like one of my favorite podcasts is Film Spotting out mm-hmm. of Chicago, and uh, it was one of the favorite one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. And even that, I don't listen to regularly because I only like listening to it if I've seen the movies. Yeah, I fe- I listened to How Did This Get Made. Oh, sure, yeah. And that's I very rarely seen the movie. Though. I uh, and that's they're one of the reasons so funny they're hilarious. It carries the whole show. I I totally agree with you, but uh, I would say on the other side of that coin, that's one of the reasons I fell off from listening to How Did This Get Made is because I would never watch the movies. Yeah, and for one reason or another, it was just like I couldn't engage myself as much when I wasn't familiar with what they were talking about. Yeah. Oh, you but, only really need a passing yeah. familiarity. I feel like I should. It's been, that is one of those that I've been thinking about revisiting though. Cause I was into it really early on. Oh my God. <laughs> I really, Jason Van especially is so hilarious. Funny. And I feel like June Diane Ray feels my spirit animal. I can totally see that. Honestly. <laughs> I, yeah, I, and I, I mean, I would say that as a compliment. I can totally see that. I like, said to Mark, I think I'm the June Diane Ray feel of this. An hour with your <laughs> I can totally, absolutely see that. <laughs> and, I love it. <laughs> uh, it's just, I really recommend listening to uh, their Mr. Nanny and No Holds Barred double feature okay. podcast. Okay. Because they're so funny. And I can't say if I watched a Hulk Hogan movie, uh-huh. I did it at the time of release and I was a child. Uh-huh. And I have the worst memory. I'm like a goldfish. So <laughs> I cannot remember anything specifically from the films. Oh my gosh, they're, they're so funny. I remember uh, listening to the very first episode of How This Get Made, uh, you know, like three years ago at least, mm-hmm. almost four, and they did um, fucking that movie with Christina Aguilera and Cher. Oh, Burlesque. Yeah, they did Burlesque, mm-hmm. and one of the first lines in the whole podcast was... <laughs> Paul Shear summing up burlesque by saying it was like, um, it was like showgirls butt fucked Moulin Rouge <laughs> and it sharted out burlesque or something like that. Oh, it it was, it was showgirls and something true. else. Yeah. And, it, and the shart of those two movies oh, was burlesque. God. And Ouch. I laughed aloud yeah. in the first like two minutes of the show. And I was like, okay, you yeah, got me, Shear. Yeah, <laughs> we. <laughs> 
just did uh, because I guess they reached some milestones. So they okay. did their Howdy Awards. Oh, so fun. they went through all the past episodes and kind of did fake award categories, and then <laughs> they had fans edit all of these supercuts. Wow! So there's like this huge supercut of my spirit animal, Junie Raphael, <laughs> talking about wigs. That is so amazing. They're oh, so, and they did one of uh, the best of Paul Shears. It's like this meets this. And, and like, shouted yeah. out this. Yeah. So <laughs> That's amazing. It, that's you, you've convinced worth, me. I having a listen to. I was already, uh, I had already been telling myself that I needed to revisit oh, How yeah. This Get Made and now you've absolutely uh, sold me so that I've, I've been missing out. <laughs> I'm really a big fan. <laughs> I have seen some of the worst movies I've ever seen as a result of that. Though. Like I've seen Birdemic partially as a result of uh, how did this get made? I'm... I never. I mean, I enjoy bad movies. Mm-hmm. I watch Lifetime movies, and I like Flowers in the Attic, and, <laughs> and I like like Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. Sure. Um, the but, Christmas shoes. Oh my gosh, I eat them like Christmas really? candy, and I will watch them no matter how many times they're. You're gonna on. buy these shoes just for your mom, please. Because I feel like it's a little seasonal treat. Like, sure. Everything now is pumpkin spice. You can only get everything pumpkin spice for. A couple months out of the year you can only watch your lifetime christmas movie for a finite amount of time do you also so. do the like abc family oh ones? my gosh i love it i love it i don't care if how crappy candace cameron's acting is i care about her falling in love with the custodian of a snow lodge and that because she like her... slipped on a yeah. freshly mopped floor or something she might probably have been there to buy it to win back her businessman father's love but she's probably gonna fall in love in a different way what's the name of this oh i'm assuming gosh. it's an actual movie it is an actual movie I want to say Snowbound. That sounds... That is... It, that could also be, right. like, a horror movie. <laughs> just, just as easily. My, uh, I came home last night, and uh, my roommate was sitting on the couch, and she looked really, like, guilty. And I didn't know why. And, uh, and I started to... She was like, how was your show? And I started to talk to her, and, she, and I was like, what are you watching? And she was like, the very end of a scary movie. Because she knows I hate scary movies, so oh, she's yeah. just like, uh, uh, you gotta go... <laughs> But it was called Truth or Die, I think. Oh, yeah. That's I don't like scary movies, but I just said it's Halloween, so you've gotta be yeah. and I sent everybody under the sun. They somebody on Facebook posted this uh, Atlantic article where they just listed every single horror movie wow. that's playing on cable. Oh, and, uh, in the month of October. So I, I was see. like, everybody, be joyful. Be joyful. <laughs> Celebrate the season. But I can't handle it. I don't I mean, like them. It's, Mark loves them. So if I feel like any, we're going to see anything that might be slightly scary, like Avengers, um, <laughs> anything that is going to make me a little nervous. I get really nervous in theaters anyway. I'm trying to think of what you, what I just, oh, uh, Prometheus. Oh my gosh. Had to I had to walk Prometheus. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I like, I'm like, I'm just going to lick this Xanax. <laughs> just to calm down a little bit even movie we just saw vertigo at the music box oh. when they were doing the 70 millimeter uh-huh. i wanted to see that it 
It's so beautiful. Yeah. Vertigo is one of my favorite movies. Oh, but even that's still, awesome. I'm like, this is a little scary. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I saw the birds at the music box. Oh and uh, Tippi Hedren was there. Oh. And did a Q&A after. And it was amazing. She floats around the city a lot because they do the birds at Mary's Attic. And oh, she always does like cool. a, a guest night for a fundraiser she was one night. She super great. She's really cool. Yeah. I mean, for someone who Alfred Hitchcock ruined her. Yeah. And right? she, even someone like either the, uh, either the moderator or someone in the audience kind of like addressed that in not a shitty way, in a kind of like okay way. And she handled it with so much poise That's so and amazing. so much like honesty without being bitter and shitty. It was really, I was so impressed. Wow. Yeah. I've seen her kind of leaning towards bitter. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, in a couple print interviews. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. That, and that's, I think that's like what I expected. And she was fairly like, well, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it was interesting. Uh, Speaking of bitter women, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess Mel Evans is going to talk to me about uh, women-centric true crimes. Sure, yeah. Is that? I'll probably talk about Law and Order SVU too. Uh, <laughs> we Perfectly all know acceptable. That is not based on any true stories. No, as much as they will say, ripped from the headlines. Well, (laughs) the funny thing, I've read job opening postings for Law & Order interns. Interesting. And your job is basically just to go through the newspaper and see if there's anything they can use anywhere. Wow. I mean, I guess now you go through the internet. I can't imagine they can't. They can't. They're not not getting their fingers dirty. (laughs) They're just getting carpal tunnel. They're checking Gawker and saying, oh god. A gerbil. All right. This is ripped from a headline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there, there is probably some poor, like, recent graduate lamenting the fact that that job is slowly getting uh, outsourced by Reddit users. Right? That's the thing. You know that they're just going through Reddit. I Interesting side note. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm... I'm not going to name names, but it might have been Dick Wolf's daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I met her once. Just maybe. And she was a writer. Um, oh, wow. For the show for a long time. And she had uh, one of those anxiety dogs that you carry around with you. Wow. And I mean, I know like Christina Hendricks and a lot of celebrities have them. Who but... is wonderful and can carry any dog she would like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like a thing where, oh, no, this is a... Oh, is the dog allowed to be in here? No, this is a, a medical dog. Right. And sure. uh, it's for anxiety. So I thought that was really yeah. the weight of all those headlines. I was going to say, <laughs> it's one thing for it to be an actress or anything like that. Someone who's probably very much in the public eye. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, it's, I mean, seems like a whole nother story yeah, when she, your job probably makes you anxious as hell. Yeah, there's some <laughs> dark shit that Olivia <laughs> Benson has to deal with Brad Proxy the writers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. Jesus. Um, okay. Okay. What is the origin of your love for this true crime? 
Um, okay. I think this is twofold. And okay. I'm going to go with uh, the historical in my own personal life one first. And then sure. I'm going to go to the philosophy that I've thought about. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so when I was growing up, mm-hmm. there was this true crime book called okay. Blind Faith, um, <laughs> that where this man hired a hitman to kill his wife and at a New Jersey uh, truck shop. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, my high school English teacher was a character in it because her husband was one of the police investigating No it. way! Yeah. So it, it happened right by where I live, and it was a true crime book that was a big seller, and they turned it into an ABC miniseries with Joanna, called Blind Faith. Called Blind Faith with Joanna Kearns from Growing Pains as the mom. Oh, okay, cool, and cool. And I want to say uh, I can't remember Robert something, um, and I think now I'm confusing it with another one where Johnny Galecki shoots <laughs> Rick Schroeder because he was a bully. Um, but I feel like I confuse a lot of things with Johnny Galecki because oh you just like God. always want to be thinking about him. But I really, and I feel so guilty about it because he's on the Big Bang Theory right, now. Right. And uh, my mom just loves him on oh, the Big Bang Theory. I totally... I, Moms and aunts everywhere. Oh my god! But I like had such a crush on him when he was in Roseanne, <laughs> and when he was making made-for-TV movies about shooting Rick Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I felt like I, I I read this book because the miniseries was on. Okay, and uh, and it was like right from right around right where from you were where from. Where yeah, was. right. And my mom had it, and I read it at way too young. I was gonna ask for when you thought it was, and uh, that kind of opened up that world Mm -hmm. uh, where I just I don't I I can't kind of reconcile it being (laughs) that scandalous and being real. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, And then I think as I've gotten older, I have taken a lot more interest in the psychology behind women, Mm -hmm. uh, women as the perpetrators of these crimes. Sure. And I think it's so crazy about when you look at female serial killers versus male serial killers, uh, how they're most likely to do it out of, uh, for love or money, Mm -hmm. whereas men are, are doing it for... Uh, sick sexual thrills or control interesting or to like do uh, to show everybody yeah a power thing a, it's a power sure. thing one way or another yeah but women are doing it essentially for revenge interesting and I think that's so crazy yeah. how men and women handle control in different ways yeah totally and how that that motivates them interesting yeah. I love that uh, the only um thing I'll say uh, is that, and I almost brought this up before we started recording when you mentioned that you might uh, talk about this, uh, is that uh, I recently listened to an episode of Julie Klausner's podcast, How Was Your Week? And I super love her. And she interviewed the um, author of a book called The Good Nurse. And it's about this guy 
Oh, I'm gonna forget his last name. His first name is Charles, and the author's first name is also Charles. Okay. And he's working on another book called Charles Man about Charles Manson. Oh. And Julie pointed out that like the he's done these two huge projects about other serial killer or about serial killers named Charles, and he was like Oh God, I hadn't even thought of that. Like he like he like had this moment on the podcast. Uh, so I think the author's name is Charles Graber. I don't think the perp's name is Charles Graber. But he worked in like nine different hospitals as a nurse and uh, was purposefully killing people, not as mercy kills people who like could have been healthy. Yeah. And the main way that he did it is that he would inject, um, like drugs into IV bags or into just straight directly into IV lines that would like and it just apparently he describes it in the book but it would like burn out their insides oh my god <laughs> and so I was just awful. like this is awful but I want to read this book very badly book. yeah I'm into it but that I told you before that I probably would not remember any names. Um, I'll so try to, I'll, I'll throw it in the notes. Um, uh, <laughs> Good but nurse. this uh, reminds me that I wrote an article for Bro Jackson on a female serial killer. Okay, cool. And there was one who was a nurse. Yeah. And she I... was working up in Boston and she basically just went around killing her patients yeah. by injecting them with... Um, like, uh, general opiates, whatever, yeah. overdosing them. Sure. And, uh, Which is, uh, you know, a little more humane, at least. Right. But she also, I mean, there were a couple people who she strangled and was like, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to help them. Um, yeah. One of those, what's it called when you want somebody to be sick so somebody pays attention to you? Oh, uh, like, uh... Um, hysterical. I want to say Aspergers. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that can't definitely be it. <laughs> not it. Uh, uh, it's not Stockholm syndrome, but that, that oh, disorder where yeah, yeah, where you uh, she went and she killed her cousin's husband, or she killed her cousin, and then she started trying to make her husband, uh, her cousin's husband, just sick enough that she would have to nurse him back to health, and he would start to fall in love with her. Oh wow. wow. Yeah, but she killed like between 30 and 50 people. And when they finally figured it out, she said, I just wanted to kill more people than anyone had ever. And she was just crazy. Yeah, that was the same thing with this good nurse guy was that he was just like, it was all this, you know, stuff from his childhood. Like he wasn't uh, treated well and he like had all these... He somehow got into this horrible accident where he was really badly burned. And so it, like, they think that it just kind of, like, flipped his triggers too badly. And he just wanted to make other people go through his physical and emotional pain. Real real big wolf. Yeah. Uh, I don't... That was tangential, but it was just... That is the most recent true crime thing that I've, like, heard a lot about that intrigued me. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> in your list of female serial killers... Yeah. What are, what are like, the ones that really, uh, get your goat? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because I was doing research into this, and sure. there are Wikipedia articles on this serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belle Gunston was her name. Okay. And Belle? Belle. 
and she's from Chicago, and then they moved to Indiana. Um, but they're she shares a book with three other big Midwestern serial killers. Oh. And then there's one little slim volume that you can only get if you get a $50 paperback <laughs> because it's a limited release. Right, because they didn't print that. Right, right. And I'm like, why has no one written a book on this woman? Interesting. It's up to me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, Do it! So, basically, what she did was she and her husband, uh, this is in the 18th century. Okay. 19th century. Early 19th century. Uh, She and her husband come over from Germany, Switzerland, settle in Chicago, and they have a little confection shop and a house, right? Uh, So it's all well and good until the shop burns down. And they collect the insurance money. I know, right? Super sad. (laughs) That is sad. Um, They collect the insurance money. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything seems to be like, oh, they're just going to go start a farm or do something else. Uh, When her husband tragically dies, uh, right on the day that intersected two insurance policies that she had opened. So the one was about to expire. The one was just starting. Oh, It was that damn. one day where both of them were oh, in existence. Oh, you tricky, Belle. Right? <laughs> so she collects those insurance policies. She collects the insurance money uh, from the, the shop. Mm-hmm. And she, I think at this time also... She had two small children who had died, but it's, you know, it's at it a was time, a long time where, ago. like, yeah. babies just die, sure. and nobody batted an eye. Sure, which um, is either convenient or just sad. Right. <laughs> it's probably both, uh, depending on your, <laughs> your <Sure>. status <laughs> in life. So, she remarried really quickly afterwards, okay. and pretty quickly after she remarried, uh, she had two stepkids. And uh, the younger stepkid dies. All right. Okay. So the uncle and aunt of the older one just hustle the older baby away. And next thing you know, sure enough, her husband dies again. So she's got two husbands who die pretty quickly. She's got all this insurance money. So, and she's like this six foot tall, you know, airy blonde. <laughs> of course she like, is. built for work in the field. Uh-huh. Uh, so she takes all this money and she builds a farm in Indiana. Okay. And it's a huge big thing. This is why she's still hanging out in Chicago and can have the second marriage because she's waiting for the farm to be built. Gotcha. Which is like, what, you don't grow a farm? Yeah, I was thinking, yeah. I mean, I understand the farmhouse and probably a silo or a barn or Mm -hmm. something needs to be built, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I don't know how farms work. All of this probably got built a lot faster when you were depending on farming so much more than we are. Right. Um... So she goes out there and people are, these men are coming from all over to court her. And she's Oh, damn, because she's just like this rich widow. She's this rich widow, and she's saying, well, you know, you can come and and marry me if you'll pay off the rest of my mortgage on the farm and things like that. Wow. And probably 30 suitors come in and... 
all but one of them never come out. No way! Right? And so there are these stories about trunks being delivered to to the farm, and this big farm woman would just put them on her back and carry them into the house. And then there are all these stories about how she would just bury all her suitors in the pig pen. And so... Oh my god. So finally, one of these guys' brothers is like, my brother hasn't come back from, yeah. from courting you. Sure. Um, I, I feel like that has to happen yeah, at some point. <laughs> I, I want to come up there and, and see if I can find him. And she says, okay, sure, give me a minute. <laughs> this is so awful, but it's so crazy. Yeah. Um. And uh, as he's getting his group of uh, men with uh, pitchforks and torches sure, sure. to, to go up do. to her farm, uh, she has her handyman who's been so loyal and supposedly in love with her. Uh, <laughs> of course. And she uh, spares him. <laughs> well, there's a big fire at the farm. And they find a woman's headless body and the bodies of her children in the fire and it's all pinned on this handyman who is saying oh yeah i said it i was supposed to meet miss bell at the getaway car and she was never there so they're like oh she must have died on the fire they put this handyman on trial for it and he uh doesn't say anything but on his deathbed confesses (gasps) to a priest uh, that that was their big plan to to run away together, and they don't. They just assume that she's dead until they examine the woman's body and realize Not that it was her. like a five foot three woman. Oh my god! Who, uh, so she was never found. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Yeah. It's such an intense story. How? I, yeah. How is there not a book about? I don't this? know. Even like there is a movie with Elizabeth Hurley. No. Way. <laughs> right. And it's kind of loosely based on it, where okay. she is playing the role of her because Elizabeth Hurley looks like a six foot tall yeah. Swedish woman who's throwing around <laughs> pigs and trunks and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, sure. And she's playing the role, and it starts to take over her life a little too much. Um, oh, that's literally in the movie? Yeah. So it's like one of those meta things? Yeah. Oh. So it's just reference. I don't know why there isn't a whole movie Where, Why it's not actually just about her. Yeah. It's not like there's not enough there. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I do think that speaks to, though, especially that, like, um, after all of that, the person who was put on trial was the handyman, mm-hmm. you know? The handyman and always did it. It just seems like, uh, I mean, that was a time when I feel like women weren't examined in the same way as yeah. men were. It's like, ah, there's no way she could have done that. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, you have the, the witch trials and right. things like that, but I, I feel like there was this, like understanding or misunderstanding of like women actually being capable yeah. of things. Well, it's it kind of reminds me of you saying that of uh Lizzie Borden. I, I also trial, kind of thought of Lizzie Borden, yeah. She was on morphine for her whole trial. Really? Yeah. The doctor was just 
giving her so many downers. And so she was on downers when she gave her deposition about what happened. And then she was on it for, for most of her trial. So people were saying, oh, she's so emotionless. She doesn't care that uh, her father and stepmother are dead. When in actuality, she was Literally being up. drugged. And I mean, yeah, she probably did it. Right. But... Because there was, like, nobody else there, right? Yeah, everybody was ready to burn her at the stake. Just right. because she wasn't crying like they expected a woman to. Right. Sure. So. And, but also, they were hesitant to, uh, you know, actually convict her. It's right. like there's this weird duality of, uh, oh, women are, you know, frail, emotional yeah. beings but also, uh, we can't uh, accuse them of actually doing anything. I don't know. I feel like we've we've gotten away from that at least yeah. a little. Well, I guess I'm trying to think of a good, <laughs> a good recent, recent one. Recent female murdering, and all I could think of Oscar Pistorius, right, puking on the stand, right. <laughs> there was the. Uh, well, Lorena Bobbitt was sure. not not necessarily recent, but like that's a pretty popular one. I and, feel. And Joey Buttafuoco, when his were you that might have been more because I grew up on the East Coast. Okay, but Joey Buttafuoco. The name sounds familiar. Uh, and Amy Fisher. Okay, he was having an affair with Amy Fisher, uh, and so Amy Fisher went and shot his wife. In the face. Oh, this does and sound vaguely yeah, familiar. Yeah, she lived. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot of those. It's like you said, like, love and crime, or love and money. Yeah, that's it. Women uh, are just... What about the the lady astronaut who, like... Oh, yeah, who drove in a diaper yeah. straight through... Wasn't she listening to something creepy, or am I confusing her with the woman who drove her children into the lake while she was listening to Hungry Like the Wolf? Um, I <laughs> do think that the astronaut lady was listening to something crazy, but what is this Hungry Like the Wolf thing? <laughs> oh, there is... <laughs> there, uh... Is a woman, my friend Kara, is obsessed with it, and she, I, I can't remember any names because I'm being... It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm on the spot here. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was dating this guy who didn't want kids, so she uh, drove her children into a lake at listening to Hungry Like the Wolf. Because, um, as you do. As you do. <laughs> it was the 80s. Right, And that right. was their song. I feel like the I feel like that's such a classic like lady going off the deep end yeah. thing. It's uh, <laughs> ugh, no pun intended, Aww. but like <laughs> driving kids into a lake. Yeah, is such a like if you wrote that into a movie at this point, people would be like, "We get it. Oh, sure. <laughs> we know ladies no. do that. <laughs> ladies no. be chopping oh, and God. driving their kids into lakes." If she just had some chocolate and a cab salve, I'm right. sure she would have been fine. <laughs> Get her one of one of those doves. 
gonna write all those dev promises. <laughs> Don't drive your kids into <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Do something for you instead. That's not driving your kids into a lake. This is horrible. They're real children. <laughs> Driven on into a lake with alarming regularity. No, but like, there's something there. Uh, even though this is horrible, I have to say this is that like, it is so you don't drive your kids into a lake. The uh, in bed of dumb chocolates. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. I'm gonna have to like look up things that dumb chocolates say oh and my add gosh. so that you I don't try to get too Jeff promises you won't drive your kids into the <laughs> I have a whole market again. There's a, I was going to say, there is absolutely a commercial parody in this. There's a woman who's sitting behind the whale, and then she carefully places the Dove chocolate in her mouth, and looks at the lake, and then just settles Keeps back and exhales. <laughs> mm, she can relax now. And, and of course, there's like... Um, you hear her like children wailing about uh, their happy meal toys yeah. or some other inane bullshit. Beating each other yeah. in the head with their baby fists uh-huh. and things like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then uh and then yeah, after the chocolate comes, <laughs> there's just some like sultry, tranquil oh, music. She's taken away <laughs> far away to her happy place. Saving children. <laughs> Maybe causing uh, childhood obesity, but also hey, you win hey, some, you lose some. You want a fat one or a dead one? <laughs> I'll take the fat one. Please. Oh man, uh, I have no <laughs> possible way of getting back on track. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, do you, uh, especially uh, in writing, because uh, you've literally written to these uh, ladies, before, like not to them, but like to this point of writing about mm-hmm. female true crimes before, and uh, I would assume that you've read a decent amount of... Yeah. Um, any favorites there? Okay. <laughs> That's, I really... Why did I ever want to talk about Jane Austen? I have so much more to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is this excellent book. Okay. uh, Called The Cases That Haunt Us. Mm. Where it is an FBI profiler, uh, John E. Douglas, who has taken these big crimes from history, like Lizzie Borden, uh-huh. and he goes kind of all the way up to John Benet Ramsey. Oh, uh, cool, yeah. Um, but he, <laughs> cool, yeah, John Benet, <laughs> yeah, right, angel, a beautiful angel. Uh, oh, oh my friend, do you know Lauren Walker? Uh, she's a hysterical, like criminally young uh, improviser in the city. She's like twenty and funnier than fucking three quarters of the people doing this. Uh, she's done the podcast before, blah, blah, blah. She does this bit on Instagram where she will take pictures of, um, like, abandoned children's clothing. <laughs> and just, like, take a picture and be like, we're getting closer every day, John Bonet, and it oh, makes me laugh yeah. every single time. It's so... Lauren, Wa- is Walker? Lauren Walker. I think her Instagram handle is, like, 
uh, Lauren uses a walker. Like, oh, they're yeah. all little Got jokes. It. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I would def recommend. Okay. Uh, she, mean, al- <laughs> she also hates birds, so she takes the pictures of a lot of dead birds, and it's like, That's, one more. <laughs> oh, no. Brad said was taking a lot of pictures oh, of yeah. dead birds for, yeah. like, a whole summer. He was I remember that. On there was one that was birds. just a beheaded, yeah. like, just the head of, like, a raven. That was, <sighs> that was grim. That, yeah, that's that should be a sign that he should change his ways. <laughs> I think he's trying. I think he's doing okay. Yeah. He's all right. Yeah. Um, we play soccer together. Oh, and, good. Uh, it's hilarious because uh, he will, you can tell he will try so intentionally to be really nice and positive. Like he can't like though. great. He can cast. only do it for so long. Yeah. Before yeah. He just you can tell over. it's so funny because you can just absolutely <laughs> tell. And so like, it's a bunch of other improvisers too, so other the people just like won't take it seriously. They're yeah. just like, sure, Brad, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like he can't win. Oh, <laughs> Brad Einstein, I love him though. I do too. Hard him. This isn't a knock. He can't be positive for that. Nope. Long. He's, he's got a bleak heart. It's just like in his... <laughs> a female series. <laughs> anyway, uh, the cases that the haunt cases us. That haunt I took us. it off track with. Jambonet, oh, no, but we're very... getting closer, Jambonet. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll be there, Jambonet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this profiler who worked with the FBI for years and years, and he actually worked on the Jambonet Ramsey wow. case. Yeah. Uh, he takes all the evidence that we have mm-hmm. of these unsolved crimes mm-hmm. and builds a profile wow. of who probably... Like, did. psychologically? A psychological profile. He... Uh, with the Jack the Ripper one, I think they just had the DNA on the shawl fiasco. Oh. Uh, but I believe that the guy that they named was one of the guys that he mentioned. Interesting. In profile, like, huh. Because he was very much like, oh, it would be a Jewish immigrant living in the area. Gotcha. Because of this and this. And I can't remember specifically why. But right. Of course, you're going to want a butcher and all that good stuff. Right. So sure, sure. With uh, the access to knives and the kind of anatomy know-how. Sure, right, right. Steaks are different than people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but still, like... But still, like, uh, pigs are apparently very similar to, yeah, to humans. Yeah, in a lot so. of ways. Yeah. So I have to understand. I've uh, just like men, am I right? right? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, men are pigs. I'm just kidding, I'm so happy I'm getting married in a week. Which is why I'm talking about female crap. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's all the time when I'm watching one of my programs. <laughs> Mark will come in the room and he'll say, uh, either you're going to kill me or um, I've left evidence indicating that it was you or if I disappear, people will know that you did it. And I'm like, I'm not going to kill you. God, this is like my catharsis. Right. This is how I funnel out all the feelings of wanting to kill you. I've got to let off some steam. My very, very good friend, um, from college, Laura Ann, uh, lives with her long, long time boyfriend. They're like high school sweethearts. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, ugh, get it out of my face. Uh, but I say that and then, um, I'll say this where she, 
the specific example that they gave me recently was that uh, she texted him like, hey, do you know where such and so is? Like, my sneakers. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, no, I don't know, babe. And she's like, but are you sure you don't know where they are? Just like that, like, back and forth while she'll just like, uh, you know, get really in depth. Uh, Basically, like, bits about where shoes are and stuff. And then all of a sudden, she'll just be like, I'm going to murder you (laughs) with knives. And I'm going to cut up your body into little pieces. And I'll hide it all over the house. Just to, like, just, like, fake anger that he doesn't know where her shoes are. And so she was just like, yeah, Tyler can never die because people will think I did it. I'm the same way where I'm like, everybody would know it was me. So I'm... I don't know. I've got to wipe my candle clean. <laughs> Do you know Michelle McNamara? She's not an improviser. She is a true crime writer. The name sounds familiar. She's yeah. also Patton Oswalt's wife. Yeah. So that's right. I remember him on his like blog or sharing her blog or yeah. something like that. Her blog is amazing. I know I've read at least something on it because he shared it and was just like, Guys, you have to read this because it's fucking bonkers kind of thing. It's super bonkers when you think about what she's actually doing. Because she is kind of an amateur investigator. Okay. Who started this blog uh, slash message board. Uh-huh. Where these amateur investigators are are doing things to help the police kind of yeah so the last story of hers that i read she's investigating this serial rapist slash murderer who she's calling the golden state killer uh just because it happened all around california mm-hmm. so uh that's she just gave him the moniker golden state killer mm-hmm. and people got really mad about it but <laughs> well, the but Californians she's, she's like, sticking don't put that it. on yeah. us and she's writing this book, and she talks about how she hunted down a pair of cufflinks that one of the victims had stolen from him, and she found them online at a pawn shop. Whoa! Yeah. And she got them and brought them to the police, where people think, like, oh, it's just this mom who's who's just playing detective. Yeah. And, uh, which is my sitcom pilot, don't steal it. Uh, <laughs> I think they, uh, real, <laughs> uh, what's uh, the Deborah Messing thing that's coming? Oh, the Mysteries of Laura. The Mysteries of Laura. I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she brought the, these couplings to the police and they were like, thank you. That's crazy. And then they dusted them and they turned out to be an identical pair that weren't belonging to no the way. victim. No way. But it's still like a huge kind of, of thing to narrow this that down She did that and not yeah. a, a hired detective yeah. person. And she's working with, through the power of the internet, on yeah. the same Golden State Killer. Yeah. This guy who's like in his 20s in Florida who's never been to California who's going through yearbooks to try and and pinpoint people that it could be based off of the handful of clues that they have. They went to they went to school in the Tribes County area. That's that's similar to I remember um, being really intrigued listening to that Julie Klausner interview with um, Charles Graber who wrote The Good Nurse. Uh, he worked so closely with the two detectives who were like 
two of the main detectives on the case Mm -hmm. that he, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about, uh, these people who aren't, you know, professional investigators or detectives being some of the people who know the most about it and probably can kind of, uh, I mean, he straight up says, one of the reasons I want to read it is because it gets into a little bit of like, um, like hospital conspiracy because they were like hiding a lot of this information relatively obviously from like the families of the victims and we're talking 300 people this guy killed and he sued for malpractice and then yeah yeah gosh hospitals i know i know so yeah but he was just saying like uh at some point uh julie just like realized she was like but i mean you know more about this guy than like anyone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and so you could probably do some damage where that's concerned you know all these cover-ups like what's holding you back from being that whistleblower yeah i mean i mean i'm really interested to to read the book to see like how detailed things are in terms of because he worked at nine different hospitals I don't know if he left all of them willingly or got fired from some of them. Or, he had to was he not? Because you can't just... I don't know. I feel like if you're a nurse or a doctor, you've got... I mean, I don't know. I work in a medical-ish law firm. Okay. We've got doctors who are like, oh, their credentials lapsed, but we still have this from them. Anyway. Right. So... It's weird what you can get away with and what you can't yeah. get away with in the medical field. Yeah, it's uh, I, I work in a, a scientific um, type lab teaching facility, oh boy. and uh, a lot of our um, customers are uh, criminal defense lawyers. Oh, uh, for like uh, specifically for DUI uh, and DWI okay. and things like so that. You're just lawyers doing, like toxicology, right? Right, so like toxicology and uh, blood alcohol, and we teach them how forensic labs uh, determine a lot of those things. Um, and uh, it's depressing how ill-regulated forensic science is. Yeah. Uh, for the biggest problem is that forensic science doesn't have one governing body. Like, it, there's no FDI, FDA for forensic science or mm-hmm. EPA or anything like that. Uh, it's just like from state to state and, uh, so all the SOPs, uh, for each lab are different, Mm -hmm. which makes it impossible for, uh, lawyers to be like as up to knowing what specific standards are and, you know, lab employees and all of this difficulty just leads to, uh, an incredible amount of uncertainty. Right. Uh, and but even then, I feel like forensics aren't 100% foolproof, no matter what no. the law and order will tell us. No. Now. Yeah. Because there are so many variables, and anything can kind of disrupt the sample that mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and all those lawyers are just looking for, like, any possible, like, Whole, yeah. you know and oh sure and it's much i mean everything's kind of on their side like yeah. it's a, it's more like you know the plausible doubt than the certainty thing so it, it, it's a weird 
industry to work in, I guess. But yeah. one of the uh, positive things is that we've had customers say that um, forensic labs have had to change their practices Good. because of things that have been brought up in court. And I'm like, well, you know, if that's the way it has to happen, then yeah. that's encouraging. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. 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 Wow, you can't really trust anything. Nope. Especially when you bring a lawyer into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we teach the lawyer classes, there's like 24 to 25 defense lawyers all in the same room all at oh, once. Oh, <laughs> my God. And most of them are from like Texas, uh, Oklahoma type, big states where you can't get anywhere unless you're driving. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like these huge personalities. It's it's pretty oh, crazy. Oh, no. It's pretty crazy. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go to them. And then they like, fight. I, don't, I don't want to go to there. <laughs> Uh, and then they like find out that I do comedy because my boss will mention it because he thinks it's great and uh, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone to try on my material. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's rough. I bet. <laughs> attorneys are rough in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Loud defense attorneys are super rough. Mm. Uh, but you know, defense attorneys who think they're comedians. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the triple horrible threat. Oh my gosh, poor thing. <laughs> it's uh, it's fun. Keeps me on my toes. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, like the the idea that uh, you know, bloggers and such have so much power. Yeah, it's, it's it, crazy. It makes me feel like anybody can kind of be. A bit of a Nancy Drew. Do you want to be a Nancy Drew? I really do. I don't think I'm smart enough. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm always kind of, and I tell Mark too, like, I just wish a mystery would happen. (laughs) That's fantastic. I just wish I fell into a mystery. (laughs) And sometimes dumb things will happen and I'll say, oh, mystery. (laughs) Um, I read a lot of um, Encyclopedia Brown was my jam. Encyclopedia Brown. I've read a ton of that too. And then when I was in college, I worked at Barnes & Noble in the children's section. Oh, nice. Uh, So they really encourage you to just read the books if you're, you know, slow. Sure. Uh, And so I reread a lot of them. They are super obvious. Yeah. I I can imagine. (laughs) Encyclopedia Brown is surrounded by idiots. Um, It's like, there's glass inside the room when they said they were supposed to, when they said they were breaking the window to outside and things like that. Oh, boy. (laughs) Which is also absolutely a uh, a CSI episode. Oh, man. Glass on the wrong side of the window thing. I'm not a big CSI person. I prefer my law and orders. But now, with the promise of CSI cyber... Is that a... Uh, so it's going to be like hacky crimes? It's like hacky crimes, but it's not just that. It's CSI cyber hacky crimes with Dawson and Dylan McKay. No way! Yes. They Interesting. Are, uh, starring James Vanderbeek and Luke Perry. <gasps> wow! So I'm like, of course. Yeah, everybody's going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, for one reason, I used to want to be a forensic scientist for a really long time uh this job has shined some light on the fact that i probably like got off easy um but uh i got really into csi Uh and got really into the idea of like solving justice puzzles Uh (laughs) 
my god. And I love Willem Peterson. Uh-huh. And I think he's fantastic. And I haven't seen... I think I watched like half of the season after he left the show and was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I still have to watch Sarah Seidel, but I don't get to watch Aww. Gil Grissom. No Boo, thanks. No. <laughs> I don't, I think I turned away a lot from CS for the same thing uh, we were talking about because it's there, all those blood close ups. Oh, and those fast yeah. Zooms. That's they not your jam. I know. I don't like those at all. <laughs> so. See, I can do blood and gore. I just don't like scary. I don't like things that are designed to scare me. I I don't like too much blood. And, and I feel like in the few times I've seen a lot of blood in real life, I've just gone into like business mode and been like, okay, this is what we need to do this here, here, and let's go down the list. Uh, but I don't like seeing it huh. in movies. And that reminds me, too, of a joke Patton Oswalt tells where uh, his wife walked out of like an old spaghetti western because she thought it was too violent and it was upsetting her and then the next day he finds her watching one of the true crime shows oh that's so funny so yeah I feel like that's pretty much how I live my that's, life that's you, you Michelle and... McNamara and Judea I was just about to say that I was just about to say that and they both are married to comedians yeah so I have I have said to Mark as well that we're the Michelle McNamara and Pat Oswald, except he won't quit uh, social media, and I'll never get down to writing a true crime. <laughs> I'm getting married I in a week. It. I love it. <laughs> oh man, uh, I love it so much. Uh, okay, we've talked Bell Gunston. We've talked the cases that haunt us. Yeah. that are all lots of. Uh, Really good book. I highly recommend Compilations it. of... What was the author's name? John E. Douglas. John E. Douglas. Oh, yeah. Speaking of author names, um, you briefly mentioned before we started uh, recording um, the... Well, P.D. James. Oh, yes. The, uh, Death Comes to Pemberley. Yeah. Elizabeth Bennett can be a detective wife, too. <laughs> this we is like the can. marriage of the two things that exactly. you consider talking about. If you've about. got enough downtime when you're... I won't read it because... Oh, I, you haven't? I haven't. I know I should, but I am really a Jane Austen purist mm-hmm. so I get so mad at sequels and gotcha and sequels and musicals are really what make me the most upset are there Jane Austen musicals yeah they're doing Sense and Sensibility the musical at the Goodman or the Lyric or something interesting yeah it's it's gonna be next year or okay next year alright I don't think Sense and Sensibility yeah. lends itself to a musical, but what do I know? Yeah, color me skeptical. Yeah. Mm, uh, I don't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I might watch Pride and Prejudice and Zombies just because they just cast sure. Matt Smith. So, oh, no way! Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that'll that's do it. it. That's Come it. on. I gotta support they, Matt Smith. They knew what they were doing. Right? Oh, everybody's mad enough at the zombies. We'll bring Doctor Who in. <laughs> have you read it? I have. Okay. I was and? really upset. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I, that's I, tough, man. That's really tough. Real I feel like it gets dicey when you start trying to, to mess with things that are, are super... 
like yes that people love precious yeah. i guess is the word i was going to use but and not the novel based on a oh push by, push by sapphire um my mom calls me precious and it <laughs> makes me sad <laughs> whenever she does um that's another one i can't i can't watch precious oh, i know it's uh there's a couple scenes that are definitely rough can't do it i can't gabaret sedebe is that how you say her name we'll sure. go with that <laughs> she's great yeah, she's a really great actor. I liked her on the two episodes of American Horror Story that I could manage to get through. <laughs> I have also only seen, uh, I've seen maybe four or five episodes of the season that she was mm-hmm. on, the most recent one. Um, and I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, but it's just like not my jam, like it's just not my thing. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen, my roommate's obsessed with it and she has shown me many trailers for the next season where right, they're doing the freak, show. freak show. And I was like, uh, uh no, thank <laughs> you. I don't, I won't be having any of that. I saw a picture of Kathy Bates with the, as the bearded lady today and I was like, I love her so much. <laughs> and she's great in the she's coven great, season. great, yeah. And, and, and you know, all the things she does because she's Kathy Bates. Because she's but. Kathy Bates. And, I'm, and Mark will tell me on occasion that I'm a Kathy Bates type. And I'm like, <gasps> really? Well, I think he means it more of I am uh, an Annie Wilkes type. I, I have the capacity to be super creepy. Sure. Uh, and your number one fan. <laughs> and, uh, I hope he means it as a compliment. And not so, as a... Yeah, not know. as I'm a sturdy woman <laughs> playing a woman with a beard and wearing flowing clothing. Although... Just what? the phrase sturdy woman is <laughs> yeah. like hilarious to me. And I know, I mean, I'm Eastern European stock, so uh-huh. I'm sturdy. I, uh, <laughs> I can't get below a certain weight and I never have a waist. Uh-huh. Uh, so and there ain't nothing wrong with that. the way it's gotta be. I'm great for breeding, though. Yeah. So, sturdy stock. That's right. <laughs> Bell Gunston. Yeah, regular Bell Gunston. Let me throw this dead body over my back. <laughs> bury it in the pig pen. Come back in and do some butchering. I don't what did Bill Gunston do? What that's what we should all ask ourselves. Yeah, what would what would Bill Gunston do? She'd do some heavy manual labor. She would uh yeah, work her farm and kill her suitors yeah. and uh frame the handyman. Which is all any of us really wanna do. If we had our druthers to live out our best life. If I had my druthers uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like I would, uh, I, I also feel, though, uh, we haven't talked too much uh, about, like, the psychological side of stuff, so I'd love to do that a little before we start wrapping things up, especially because okay. I looked back at my notes and saw Elizabeth Hurley written next to Bill <laughs> and, uh, and, and the idea of, like, a movie being made about an actress portraying mm-hmm. a killer is, like, is cool and kind of like fascinating. Yeah. I also just saw um, a Lanford Wilson play called Book of Days, and the main character in that uh, is portraying um, Joan of Arc oh. within the play. In a play in um, like Bernard Shaw's uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Saint Joan, I think is mm-hmm, the, the play is called. Um, and so, of course, there's becomes this like parallel storyline right. of her life in this like small town in Missouri 
essentially solving a true crime. Like, um, uh, but she kind of like is trying to um, accuse. Uh, it's framed as an accident. It's Tornado Alley. This like sure. uh, rich um, dairy plant owner is uh, killed in a storm, mm-hmm. but she knows that like the story is made up and tries to convince everyone in the town of it and no one wants to listen to her, so she gets in front of a church and tells everyone in the church that this guy committed the murder and uh, someone like speaks in tongues in the church during her... Uh, so it's all v- becomes very, very parallel. Um... And people, like, blame the fact that she is doing the play on her trying to, like, die on this cross uh, for lack of a better, like, turn of phrase. So I think that's such an interesting, like, concept in general. Not necessarily always actresses playing these women, but, like... But I feel like... Like, women do that, and, you know, Elizabeth Hurley can get too into playing Belle Gunster. Right. And she's, oh, no, she's crazy, too. Right. And, uh, oh, you're too much, you're taking too much Joan of Arc. And and men do that same thing, and they get Academy Awards. Yeah. They're never really, I mean, I guess you would accuse some actors of acting crazy if they get a little too methody with, mm-hmm. with their roles, mm-hmm. but it's not celebrated. It's for the, yeah. The crazy concept. as a, as a word, as a concept, mm-hmm. as a thing in our society is so bandied about where women are concerned. Yeah. Every woman is just assumed to be crazy yeah. or to have the capacity for crazy just lurking below the surface. Yeah. So I don't understand where, I mean... Every ex-girlfriend is crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can only really find... I could find probably ten women who worked independently as... Killers of multiple people. Mm-hmm. And how many male serial killers have there been? Countless. Many still at large. <laughs> right. How many men are going and, you know, shooting their their ex-girlfriends or whatever? How sure. many, you know, domestic male problems? Sure. Are, and there's no snapped for men where we're seeing all these accounts of, of men Man, murdering their is... wives. Depressing. It really, really is. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna draw attention to something else too, uh, but I can't remember what it was. But yeah, it's just so. I don't, I don't get it. Like, yeah. you can't, men can be unstable. Right. I, I mean, most. Uh, I, I. This is what I was gonna bring up. Is like, um, gun violence mm-hmm. statistics are something like. I want to say 90% or something astronomical are, like, are men. Sure. And typically against other men. Right. Uh, so, and yet... <laughs> yeah, but the women are the ones who are gonna need that Dove chocolate. Right. So they don't kill their kids. Right. And yeah. I don't understand why we can't kind of acknowledge that we as human beings have a lot of chemical imbalances together. Sure. And sometimes it happens to men and sometimes it happens to women. Yeah. But men might be a little more predisposed towards violence. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I would say that their, their predisposition towards violence is like more accepted. Right. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. well, 
he just went off the deep end and shot up a whole bunch of people. Uh, But, like, that's how men are. But mm -hmm. whereas, yeah, if a woman snaps, she's crazy. Yeah. That's and just that's like, it. period. She's nuts. They, yeah. There's nothing yeah. else. She doesn't get even... to be mentally ill. No. Or, You're uh, not making these excuses for her feeling like she needs to... I mean, like, look at Lorena Bobbitt. Yeah. Who was probably driven really far. No one's saying she felt the need to protect herself. Sure. They're saying... Wasn't there abuse there? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. They're saying this woman is crazy. Yeah. She cut off a guy's dick. Yeah. Which is terrible, not... Terrible, crazy woman. Which isn't what... Yeah, that's not ever what used to... I mean, nobody's walking around talking about about Lorena Bobbitt on, like, a daily basis anymore. Right. But if you ever hear about it, it's always like, oh, yeah, like you said... It's a crazy woman who cut off a dude's dick. Yeah. It's not like a woman who was driven to the point of, like, not feeling like she had any other way out. Yeah. Or defense or anything. But if it happens on Game of Thrones, then it all... Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense within the context of the narrative. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's funny because uh, uh, I went to see um, Aaron Land's One Woman Show last night, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. I really enjoyed it. and uh, But she had two... Uh, because you mentioned Game of Thrones, I was like, okay, I definitely need to bring this up. Uh, but she did one song about, uh, where she, like, comes out with a ukulele, it's very, like, twee, and it starts out with, like, there's uh, an eight-word phrase that any guy can say that'll just, like, make my nipples go soft, and it's like, you're so cool, my last girlfriend was crazy, or something like that. And she's just like, what? This isn't supposed to be a compliment yeah uh first of all if you think that your quote last girlfriend was crazy was she crazy the whole time because that's your fault yeah uh or you know i'll put crazy in quotes was she crazy the whole time or was she just like driven crazy again in air quotes by the way that you were a shitty neglectful boyfriend or a shitty abusive boyfriend is she reacting with any kind of emotion right right something counter to your wants yeah and the whole thing it was very she got like specifically personal in it at some point um, about a, like, messy breakup. But it was one of the things in the whole show that really... I thought it was one of the strongest uh, pieces. And it really, like... You could tell that she was very uh, connected to it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it had this, like, great message of just, like, yeah, guys, stop just, like, bandying that about as an excuse that your relationship went south. Yeah. it Because it's probably not true. That's... <laughs> You should probably, you know, physician heal thyself right. on that one. Right. That's I, I know a guy that I used to do improv with who would say all the time, oh, all men are dicks, but all women are crazy. And right. it's like, oh, okay, you're really taking ownership over, <laughs> over that there. Of you being, yeah, just because, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but the other um, thing that I was going to say is that she played an actress who is first role on camera was as a whore in Game of Thrones. So, one of those. Poor ladies. <laughs> Poor, I always feel so bad for them. 
Yeah, it's. I'm always it's like their parents are probably watching. And then she, yeah, that was in the in the piece too. That's so sad. I hope you're proud of me, Dad. Watch Aww. me jack off this man in chain mail or whatever. I don't know. I've seen the first season of Game of Thrones, it's but I don't have specifics. <laughs> it, it's gotten more. It's not as as even as I would like it to be. Okay, I you would really, say it's gotten like more gratuitous than. There's some out. gratuitous parts. I feel like the story now isn't. It, it you can't just shove it in there because there's a lot of war. Oh, but sure. But there is a lot of of gratuitous. Sure. Sex. But the, it's a little more even where they're showing a lot more men junk. Oh. Um. Be that what I meant. <laughs> Whether uh, that's what you want yeah, out of it or not. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So, that's, you know, that's fine. Everybody, I was going to quit Game of Thrones, and then they just cast uh, Dr. Julian Bashir from Deep Space Nine on oh. the next season. <laughs> and I loved him so much. That's so funny. Uh, my friends wrote fan letters to him. To get autographed pictures for my birthday. <laughs> And oh, for you. For me. Oh, my yeah. God. That's so adorable. So I, whoa, boy, Alexander Sidig, formerly Sidig Alphadil, he had to change his name to make it sound more American. <laughs> um, what? Uh, that's so funny. This is the second time where you're like, I'm never going to watch that. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they cast someone that I love yeah. on a thing I love. Oh, oh I have to. I have to. I I've seen. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I've seen more horrible movies because of uh, Jason Bateman and Aaron Eckhart than like anything else. It's I, true. For some reason, I just love both of them so much, and I'll watch all the garbage they're in. Uh, <laughs> I. To go back to the Hallmark Christmas Channel movie, Cameron yes. Matheson is in a lot of that. And he, I watched all my children with my, my grandma and then all the way growing up. So sure. I, I just love, uh, <laughs> I love Ryan. Um, so I, oh, I'll watch whatever Ryan, Cameron Matheson is on. Yeah. Just because. The things we do to the ourselves. things we do indeed. <laughs> Are there any uh, any episodes of Snap slash like true crime specials that really stick out to you in your mind? I feel like we've talked about those kind of things yeah. in general, but not really very many specifics. Um, there is a great one where I cannot remember the name <laughs> as usual, but uh, it's so excellent. And I talked, Mark and I did a podcast about it. Okay. Uh, about Snapped in general, and I talk about this episode as well because it's my favorite Snap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, the basic premise is that this guy is having an affair. Uh, his wife finds out, says, You've got to stop having an affair. He says, Okay. He takes the, the, wife and their kids to Mexico for a vacation to reconnect. He takes the kids to some, like, museum. Like, kids are going to want to go to a Mexican right. museum. Right. It's um, probably about, like, El, La Dia de los Muertos right? or something. Yeah. I don't know. Which would be great. <laughs> yeah, we'd all like, like to go to that museum, yeah. but we're not kids. We're not kids. <laughs> kids want to go on slides and <laughs> run and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, so they go to the museum, the wife is taking a nap at home, uh, the mistress comes in and stabs her with scissors. Oh, yeah. damn. And so... In Mexico. In Mexico. K- 
kills the wife. Uh, it's a really messy police scene. Oh my god. So they god. end up finding a bloody fingerprint. She didn't wipe down completely. Uh, but turns out the fingerprint belongs to a dude. Uh, so that's how it comes out. And I think he was a pretty high-powered attorney. Uh, but he was... It was not a mistress. It was not a mistress. It was I mean, a... he he was in the process of becoming a mistress. Oh. But he, I believe he was not all the way a mistress. He was a mistress. A mistress. I think there is a... I think that's a thing that people say. Mistress? There's another word for it. Yeah. I don't think that's the right one. Uh, but anyway. Wow. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I, like so, I mean... It seems like with good reason to yeah. me. <laughs> and then I was watching a, another uh, recent one that similarly, uh, in the course of the trial, uh, when this guy was accused of, of killing his girlfriend, it came out that he was having an affair with her hairdresser uh, at the same time. Wow. So I just, I just really like those. <laughs> the guy kills the wife even though he's uh, uh, having a gay affair. It just does something for me but But it's also like i feel like that goes back to the psychology between men and women yeah of this like you know the the, obviously there's a certain amount of like shame involved Mm -hmm. i'm not saying it's something to be shameful about but but a lot of a lot of men do right feel like they have to go down that path yeah have you know a nuclear family and Mm -hmm. all those things Mm -hmm. and And extramarital affairs and such keeping up appearances uh well if uh unless there's anything else that you can think of specifically that you'd feel remiss if you didn't uh i can't think of anything right now okay email you (laughs) uh well i'll do i'll do my my last question of how do you feel like uh your love of um, Lady True Crimes. Uh, that's all. That's all. Bill. <laughs> Lady True Crimes uh, has influenced you creatively, uh, which obviously we touched on a little bit with um, you know some Bro Jackson, right? Bro Jackson, Jackson action and uh, some other things. And how do you feel like it's influenced your life in general as a bigger picture? Uh, bigger picture. Like I said, I'm always looking for that mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to? I want to solve. Something on my own. Uh, no, I'm just gonna be a Nancy Drew. I can I feel hope it. So. <laughs> or a Michelle crime. McNamara. Um, but I do. I feel like the projects that I'm working on now, myself, and even when I was working on a one woman show, it was all like Lizzie Borden trying to go through counseling. <laughs> um, That's great. But I, uh, I've, I guess I've written a dark comedy uh-huh. uh, about true crime really well i wrote a musical that did never got put up the annoyance passed on it oh really and probably rightfully so because i handed them my sloppy first draft oh uh, you should revisit it I, i've got to revisit and repitch it, it. And polish it up but it's because you know john benet ramsey's father and natalie holloway's mother dated briefly no yeah. uh so it's <laughs> about that it's Vandersloot the musical. Oh my god! Because you know Vandersloot is getting married, right? Uh, or he got married. I believe he's expecting a child now. I did hear yeah. about that recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was when he was getting married. Natalie Holloway's mom and and 
uh, John Benet Ramsey. It's a, we're, we're getting there, John Benet. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to find. They, they teamed up <laughs> to really try and prevent uh, Vandersloot's marriage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Um, and that's so um, annoyance, too. I know. Because they've, they like they've like done it. like 40 wax. <laughs> right. And, and they such. did. I, but, the one where they were all in heaven with Anne Frank and yes, and which was also also had John Bonet in it. I yes, think John yeah. Bonet was a character. I yeah, um, I can't. I know what you're talking My about. My so-called afterlife. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I keep my. Uh, the lady detective novel is up here. <laughs> oh, we never talked about uh, Mister Mysteries of Laura. Oh. <laughs> Speaking See, of ideas that you're keeping up there. See, that's the thing because I I have been saying for some time that my idea for a sitcom pilot is a mom who's uh-huh. a detective. Uh-huh. And I think Mysteries of Laura is more like she's a detective and she's a great detective. Right. She's a shitty mom. Sure. How can she do it all? It's also, they're billing it as a drama. Yes. Which, like, but then they do punchy little one-liners and have silly posters for it. I feel and like, I'm like you can't, no, you can't cast a messing right. and say, oh, we're just going to do this as a straight drama. Yeah, I literally saw, uh, I caught the tail end of a, like, promo for it, and they were like, a new drama coming to NBC. And I was like, no. Wait, what? And the whole time, up to that point, I thought it was supposed to be... Yeah, I thought it was Like a light little slapsticky comedy yeah. with a little bit of dramedy thrown in. Right. But they're billing it as a drama. I don't Which is bizarre. So weird. Yeah. It's, so you have to feel especially <laughs> I, tweet. Yeah, I am because I was like, oh, I've been sitting on this for far too long than you should because sitcom pilots are so disposable. Right. But, uh, yeah, to, to have that as a comedy. And I guess mine is a little different than being a real cop as opposed to an amateur. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Detective. Yeah. Nancy drawing around. That's fair. I'm still going to work on it. I'm you still going to work on it. You should. <laughs> so, don't let Deborah Messick stop you. <laughs> Deborah Messing ruins everything for me. <laughs> and also, I don't think the title is very good. I don't think so either. It's like I wouldn't know what that show is about. I, and I can I I just been calling it in my head before I knew the title of it was it was just like Deborah messing Deborah lady messing single cops. cops. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing too, where it's like she's got these sons, she's got this ex husband who won't let her go. Oh right. She's got. Uh, of course, the, that's part the, of it. Yeah, the ex husband is her boss. And I was going to say he also like, works on the forest. Sexy partner, and yeah, you know, police work is so man based. Anyhow, it's like okay, Deborah Messing. Yeah, here's a mystery. Why don't you have any female friends? <laughs> oh, that's great. I would like to watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, and also, I mean, it's obviously affected your life in general because you're eventually going to kill Mark after right, you guys exactly. get married. <laughs> oh no, now it's on the internet. <laughs> I said it though. I, okay. I said it so you didn't have to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, as much as I might look like the likeliest suspect, I'll, I always tell Mark that we're going to die in each other's arms at the same time, like in the notebook. And, <laughs> and that's that. Shucks. Nobody has anything to say about it. That is adorable. So don't look at me. Especially after all that, um, you know, s- s- 
stilted woman. Stilted isn't the word I'm looking for. Jilted. Jilted. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, jilted men and women talk mm-hmm. and all that killer talk. Yeah, nice little sweet. Oh, nice little see? sweet ending. <laughs> and you're what, like ten days away? Oh my gosh, we're getting married in ten days. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I hope so, because everything's been a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when I when Mark did the podcast, uh, you guys were already engaged, and he was already at the point where he was like, I don't want to talk about yeah, it at he all. he couldn't talk about it for months. <laughs> and it got to be a point where it's like, we have to. You, we we have, eventually, we have to. this is the thing we have to do. Yeah. But now I feel like I'm just, it's romantic comedy hijinks, <laughs> kind of getting closer to the event. And right. it's all just going to culminate in me, like, running with holding my dress that's not that long so it doesn't need to be held but it's going to be covered in something and Dylan McDermott is going to try and hold me up or something or Dermot Maroney one of the two but yeah it's the the Murphy's Law period of of wedding planning of course it has to be on stretch <sighs> That's so exciting. Well, I'm so glad that you did this. Thank with you so me. much for having me on. Thank I had a you great time. So much for being interested. I had a blast. Uh, <laughs> I will not be forgetting that dove chocolate thing anytime soon. <laughs> to Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll have it. We'll have our revenge. What? <laughs> I don't think that's what I meant to say. Uh, well, the, the way I end every episode is that I say, Mel, I love you, and I mean that. Oh, I love you, and I mean that too. It's so sweet. Thank you. I lo- thank Aww, you. Thank you. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.